Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The badly burned body of a woman is discovered in a valley in Norway. Arranged around her is an odd assortment of objects, a rubber boot, burnt paper and plastic bottles containing water. In a strange twist, all the labels have been removed from her clothes, as if she, or somebody else, was trying to obscure her identity. It sounds like the start of a Scandi TV crime drama or some detective novel, but this grisly tragedy is actually a real-life mystery that's remained unsolved for nearly 50 years. So who was this unidentified woman? Was it murder or suicide? And could advances in forensic science, including DNA analysis, help solve this cold case? These are just some of the questions that the 10-part series Death in Ice Valley, a co-production between the BBC World Service and the Norwegian public broadcaster NRK, tries to answer. Some people take their secrets with them to the grave when they die. And some graves hold more secrets than others. There's one in particular in the main cemetery in Bergen, a city on the west coast of Norway. It's hidden under a rhododendron bush. You could walk right past it on the gravel path and you wouldn't know it was there. There is no headstone, no cross, no sign at all identifying who lies beneath. One morning in February 1971, a small group of people working for the Bergen police huddles together in the icy rain. They watch as a white coffin is slowly lowered into the ground on this spot. The coffin is decorated with tulips and carnations and lined with zinc. None of the funeral guests know the dead person inside. There are no relatives of the deceased at the gravesite. The priest opens his Bible and reads from the verse about the unknown woman, saying that the woman before them is also unknown. He adds, as the coffin disappears from view, in all probability, she is also buried in a land unknown to her. The zinc-lined coffin wouldn't disintegrate. It was chosen in case her family were ever found and she could be returned home. When people go missing, they're usually missed. Someone must have missed her somewhere when she was gone. Somebody must know something. This is the story of a woman traveling in Norway in 1970 who died a terrible death and left behind her a trail of strange clues. Her real identity has remained unknown for almost 50 years and it's one of the world's most intriguing unsolved mysteries. kind of a novel 
and especially at this time, 1970, the Cold War. She was laying with her head down there and her legs up here. Why was she traveling around with all these identities? Was she a spy? It was like a cover-up. It was like a layer of protection around this whole question about this lady. Episode 1. The Istal Woman. I'm Marit Higraf. I'm an investigative reporter from Norway's NRK, the Norwegian public broadcaster. And I'm Neil McCarthy, a radio documentary maker from the BBC. Together we are trying to unravel the mystery of an unidentified woman known in Norway as the Eastal Woman. A mystery that has haunted my country for 47 years. Still today nobody knows who this woman was, where she was from and what she was doing in Norway on the North Atlantic coast of Scandinavia. That's what we would like to find out. In this podcast series, we're going to find out whatever we can about her life, her death and the world she was living in. And it's about using new technology and the power of podcasting to do that. So listen closely. You never know, you might be able to help us solve this true crime. We begin where the Eastall woman was found on the 29th of November in 1970. She gets this name from a beautiful but desolate valley called Eastalm in Norwegian, meaning Ice Valley. It's next to the port city of Bergen in western Norway, and that's where the body was found. A large black lake fills the bottom of Ice Valley. Pine forests give way to scree and bare rock halfway up the mountain. In winter there are few hours of daylight here, and it gets very cold and wet. So this is all just broken trees, chopped down forest. There's trunks, logs, branches broken up in the path, which is completely sodden. There's been a lot of rain already and more rain coming in, in this valley on the outskirts of the wettest of Norwegian towns. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Welcome to Norway. Yeah, nice weather you have here. <laughs> it's a nice stroll in Norwegian wood. Yeah. <laughs> Marit's been working on the case since she got the Norwegian police to reopen it a couple of years ago. Unlike me, she knows it well. She's actually probably the world authority on it. But there are still many unanswered questions, even for her. I mean, the story itself, it's riddle upon riddle. There are a lot of people who have been trying to, to solve this mystery for years. Policemen, private investigators, authors, journalists. A lot of people have been reading documents and trying to solve this mystery. No, nobody came anywhere. So why should we? Yes, because we thought, what can modern technology and methods done by the police, like DNA, what can methods like that give us of possibilities today to come further in this mm-hmm. mystery zone. The scientific methods used in detecting crime, known as forensics, have come a long way in 47 years. DNA, for instance, our unique genetic code, is now a key to unlocking many crime mysteries. Anyway, back to the valley. 
It's not a well-worn path. I don't know who would come up here. It's bits of grass to hold on to. There's a fast-flowing river to the side because it's been raining all night. So this is Istal Valley. This is definitely Eastal Valley, and Carl yes. Halvoros, you're back again after 47 years. I've never been here since. And Carl Halvor is actually the only person still alive from the crew of police officers who went out there on that particular day when the message came. Yes. Somebody had found a dead body in Eastal. That's right. So you were the first one on the scene. Is it strange yeah. to be back? Yes, it is. It is. And I'm getting some few memories. But we're still not there. No. We're heading towards the scene. Do you remember when the call came in? Yes, it was Sunday morning, about 9, 10 o'clock. And uh, I was at home, on duty. There had been a fire. She was burned. His girls had found a dead body and the rest of the fire. That was the, the message. So then climbing up this hill, you knew nothing? We had the faintest idea. We didn't know anything. It was a dead person. That's all we knew. So, Marit, Carl Halvor, the retired policeman, is talking about some girls. Who, who are they? They were then 10 and 12 years old, two young girls, out for a walk with their father, a professor. They had a terrible shock when they found her. They had to get out of the valley as quickly as they could and call the police. And remember, back then, in 1970, there were no mobile phones, so they had to walk the long way around that lake and back to Bergen City, where they managed to call the police. They must have been very scared. Yeah, they must have been at that age. You just telling me that story reminds me of something that happened to me at a similar age. I would have only been about 12. And I went out fishing with a friend. This is out from where I grew up. We were out on a sandbank. We saw something, we didn't know what it was. There was a seagull on it. We thought it was a sea lion that had washed up, probably dead. And on the way back from fishing, we went to investigate and we realized that it wasn't a sea lion. We saw a body laid out on the sand, face down, with clothes on, but the clothes were all ripped. And I thought my first impression was, oh, it has to be a, a shop dummy of some kind that's been afloat and washed up. But then you realize you saw the flesh, you saw, the, the the whole waste that had gone on after a body being in the sea for a long time, you realised it was a corpse, it was a dead person. And I was very thankful that I couldn't see the face as well because that might have uh, led to real nightmares. But our first reaction as two young boys was to just run to flee that scene and run back to shore and call for help and not look back. And I that's, that's just triggered the similar similar memory of what those girls went through. It must have been a, a traumatic experience for you as a child, and I guess it tells a lot about also how those two girls were feeling, because actually they, they never want to speak about what happened back then. And I've been speaking to one of them off record, and she says it's something they're determined to keep within the family.
We've been sort of clambering uphill on this very, very rainy day in Bergen. In fact, it was rainy before, but now it's coming down thick in swirls. You can't and get wind. A, yeah, and, and wind. wind. You can't really get away from it. Look into the valley, and it's almost like we're inside a cloud. I guess it's hanging so low, and the the lake is sort of black below. What's the name of the lake? Svartadike. Black, the Black Dyke or something in English. All oh, right. This part of the valley actually is called Dutstalm, Death Valley. Death Valley? Yeah. Yes, the whole area. Mm-hmm. It's called that. Do you know why? As far as I know, that it, it has been quite a lot of stories and myths about people found dead here, suicides and children found dead here. And our woman, Easter woman, is one of them. The story of the Easter woman captured the public imagination in 1970 when it hit the headlines. Who was this mysterious woman? What could she have been doing in that desolate valley and how did she die? And storytellers are still captivated by her, like one of Norway's most famous crime writers, also from Bergen, Gunnar Stolesen. He's used to creating situations, riddles and solutions. Our story is real life, but because it reads like a novel, I think we should talk to him. Here he is, with grey hair swept back and glasses, wearing a raincoat and holding an umbrella, of course. We call it the Ice Valley, but the colloquial name of that part of the valley is the Death Valley, the Valley of Death, because there has been some accidents there because of the very steep hills, and there was a place where people in the medieval age went to commit suicide. If it was a suicide, I think that she did it on a very, very curious way, in a place that it's impossible to understand how she could find if she wasn't very well known in Bergen. That's why I think she must have had an appointment with someone who was locally known. Some of episode one, The Isdal Woman of Death in Ice Valley, presented by Marit Higraf and Neil McCarthy, with sound design by Phil Channel. And that series is on the shortlist for the best factual podcast at the Association for International Broadcasting Awards, alongside the RNZ series Bang with Melody Thomas. I spoke to John Manell, the BBC World Service's podcast editor who commissioned the series, about how getting listeners involved was an important part of Death in Ice Valley. One of the things we tried to do with Death in Ice Valley, we attempt to do with most of our podcasts, is to create this idea of a podcast club or community, this idea that that the podcast belongs, as they do, to, to the people who are listening. And so we, if, if you are familiar with Death in Ice Valley, you, you'll know we set up the Death in Ice Valley Facebook group. Anyone can join, and we'll be sharing as many photographs and documents as we can. We'll be adding more after each episode. And... It's been amazing because people have been forensically examining the evidence day in, day out. The vast majority of members have been actively engaged, trying to help with the investigation. At this moment, as we record, there are 16,229 members. And I think that's just an example of how people have been affected by the podcast, the fact that they actually want to take part in trying to help 
with the investigation itself. And it sounds like people have actually gone to the site because they were describing that a path had kind of formed going to the to the, to the site where the body was found. And, and also people were chipping in with some tips about marks on cutlery and all that kind of thing. Has, has any significant information actually come to light yet as a result of all this community involvement or, or not really? Yes, right at the beginning, Neil and Marit, the presenters, made it clear that this was an ongoing investigation and we wanted the help of the podcast community. And that has happened. And so I don't want to give away too many spoilers for those who haven't heard it yet, but there's certainly one very important part of the investigation which was significantly helped by a member of the Facebook group, We're following up at the moment some really potentially interesting leads. We'll have to see where they take us, which have come from listeners around the world of the podcast. So there's no doubt that not only have people enjoyed, I think, being part of this community where they are helping with the investigation and looking through all the evidence with us and examining everything in the podcast, but their help has actually assisted the investigation. And um, it'll be really interesting over coming weeks and months to see how much further we can get with that. Can you remember when you first heard the story of the Isdal woman and and what really resonated or really grabbed you about it? I I can, yes. My background, um, I'm the podcast commissioning editor at BBC World Service English, but my previous role for many, many years was as an investigative reporter for the BBC. And Another journalist here, an online journalist at the BBC, contacted me just to chat through a story she was working on. She was writing a story for BBC Online about the NRK investigation. And as soon as I heard about it, I thought, there's a podcast there, because it's such an intriguing story. It's a really sad story. This woman had a tragic death in really horrific circumstances, and there's so much which was unknown about what happened to her all these years on. And I'm always looking out for a story which lends itself to episodic storytelling. And I just thought, yeah, this is it. And NRK had been working really hard um, on their investigation for quite some time. And when I contacted them, they really liked the idea of making this into an English language podcast which would spread the word about the story around the world and potentially help with the investigation and that's exactly what's happened. I thought it did a really great job as well of actually taking you there. I think with the sound design and the music and that rain of course that you hear. It's quite evocative and it really does do a good job of, you know, you really can start building up these pictures in your mind about what places look like and where where you are. And um, it, it's quite powerful in that sense too, I thought. Yes, and, and that was one of the aims. I wanted this to be a really immersive listening experience. As you say, I, I wanted people to be able to close their eyes and whatever they heard would take them there. I wanted a real sense of location, a sense of place. And I think in podcasting, more than any other form of audio, that's really important because most people, and this is a generalisation, but most people 
seem to listen to podcasts at the moment. This might change over the years, but they listen with headphones. And so it's it's right in there. It's in their ears. It, it, it's the, the sound is right in their head. And and I think to, to have this soundscape, which was beautifully made by our sound designer, Phil Channel, it really does take you to all the locations around northern Europe and elsewhere where, where this story is, is taking place. What about the true crime genre? Because it's obviously been very popular since, you know, Serial and S-Town, but it still seems to be of continuing popularity. Can you see any end in sight for this true crime genre? Is it something you're still seeing lots of true crime scripts and things cross your desk in your role? There are certainly lots of proposals that come into me which are along those lines. But what's the reason for the success of, of all of these podcasts, which, as you say, have been sort of categorised as, as as true crime? For, for me, it's about great storytelling, about gripping storytelling, and, and about a series which hooks you in and makes you want to come back each time. And I think... You know, it, it, there, there can be, and in many cases, that there is some kind of crime involved in, in in that story. But I think there are many other stories which could work as well in in the same way. I think for me, it's just about episodic storytelling and about what is it that can really bring you in as an audience and give you a reason, and this is really important, give you a reason to come back each time. Because with a series like Death in Night's Valley, that is crucial. You know, we want people to listen to episode one, but then feel they need to come back for episode two and three and, and, and so on and, and, and keep with, with, with the story. John Manell, the BBC World Services podcast editor, speaking about death in Ice Valley. And I just jumped onto that Facebook group that John mentioned. It's now up to 17,619 members. And people are still posting information about the evidence and suggesting theories about who this woman could have been. There's a link to that and a list of some of John's listening recommendations on our website now. That's at rnz.co.nz forward slash podcast hour. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 